Guys, welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. Always so good to have you with me. Um, hey, if you've been around for a little while now, you'd be well aware of the fact that relaxed running is far more than just about distance running. We tap into a range of other sports, triathlon, uh, particularly the AFL football scene, soccer, um, in and around. We just, we, we just want to know about the effective ways to transform the way that you run, regardless of what sport it is you play. Now, despite the fact that this podcast has a very strong focus on distance running, I like to just venture out slightly every now and then and uh, and talk about the benefit of running in other sports. So this week, was lucky enough to jump on the Footy Coach podcast, which is hosted by my best mate, James O'Connor. And we wanted to talk about the preseason football training element, uh, or particularly the preseason running element of AFL training. So we talk about time trials, we talk about training and tapering, recovery and mindset. There's a heap that we go into. So hey, despite the fact it's got a bit of a focus on the AFL football scene, I'm pretty confident you're going to get something out of this, even if you're a distance runner. So give it a go. Give it half an hour. If you don't like it, write me a message and go, mate, you let me down. I don't think it will, though. If you are a coach or a player and you're looking for more resources on how to improve you or your team's football performance, make sure you check out James's podcast or Jocker's podcast. Feels weird calling him James, the footy coach. Anyway, that's enough from me. Uh, oh, just as a just as a, a little bit of a point of clarification, so this is me as a guest on his show. I said, hey, can I share this with my audience? He said, no worries at all. So in case you're wondering what the heck's going on, I'm not interviewing today. In fact, I'm the interviewee, but it's more of a conversation, which is what I like. All right, guys, I hope you're all doing well. I hope your training's going well. If there's anything I can do to help you out, make sure you touch base with me. But um, apart from that, I'll get out of your way. Big love, and I'll, uh, I'll see you all next week. Nice. Welcome back to the show. It's been a little while. I wasn't sure whether I was still up to the caliber, but I'm glad to, I'm glad to be back on. <laughs> it's great to have you back. I think it was episode five, I think, when we started this podcast. So it's been a little while, but it's it's cool to have it back on um, and talk some running and football. It's a good time of the year for it as well. It's a, It's been really interesting the last couple of weeks because like, pre-season central is, is here. So I feel yeah. like this time of the year, it's more relevant than ever. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I know a couple of our conversations on the phone of, uh, well, you were telling me the boys that you were helping out um, with the coaching uh, the other night were doing their 2K time trial. Yeah, that's times. right. Well, that's a good good segue. Um, I was interested to chat to you about 2K time trials and um, I think some clubs do probably 3K time trials or different ones they have around where they're situated across Australia. Um, but we did 2K time trials and... It's interesting. I sort of the boys I was with. I wanted them to do their best time. Like that was my thing. Like, and that's ultimately what a coach's job is, isn't it? Like to try and get the best out of your players. I really wanted. I guess you know you get to see where their fitness levels at, um, which is cool. But at the same time, I wanted the actual performance on the day to, to be their best effort. If you know what I mean. And one of the things I went to them with, and whoever's ear I could grab a hold of before it started, I just said, I just want to reiterate. Don't blow your race in the first lap, which is a which is a rookie mistake 101, I feel, and you might be able to elaborate more. Um, I just kept rearranging, just, just trying to even pace it. And I knew even pace it would still mean their first lap would be a few seconds faster than their average pace. But I was just saying, if they want to break seven minutes, say, it's like 122, 123 a lap, right? Don't go through a 110, yeah. let alone 65 seconds, or even 115 is probably too fast. Maybe 119 would be okay. But... What are your thoughts around, is, is that a rookie era 101 for a 2K time trial? For any player listening in particular, is that something you would, you would say avoid if you're trying to do your best time? Yeah, well, we were laughing before you even hit record because for those listeners who don't know, you and I have a long history, especially in the running world. That's how we met. We were both competitive runners and, and we were laughing before you hit record about how that was like the classic mistake that we used to always make. We would get involved in a in a race with people who are faster than us or against each other and, and whether it was we're trying to psych each other out or convince ourselves that we're up to caliber to run at the pace that we needed to run but it's amazing how easy it is to fall into the trap of like all right i've got a 2k i've got a 2k time trial i'm going to go out the first 400 meters in 60 seconds and the next 400 will be 75 mm. and then i'm just going to try and keep it under two minutes <laughs> for yeah. the consecutive 400s after that i reckon it's it's the best advice you you could give, and especially at that age, I don't know if you find the same, but like as I got older and I got a bit more of an understanding about my, my capabilities, about how to actually run effectively, the idea of going out at such a ridiculous pace 
and trying to hold it was like, okay, this is actually just shooting myself in the foot. Mm. But when you're 16, 15, it's like the first 400, you, you get your chance at glory in yeah. front of a lot of the coaches and other players. And I think people fall into that trap a little easily. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, and I was definitely guilty of it. Like, And I must point out to listeners of the footy coach, um, <laughs> I was no star athlete. I really loved athletics through you know mid high school um, and tried to be competitive, but I was not nowhere near your caliber. Um, and but 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 when we did get down like state level or something, and I was probably towards the back of the field in a in a, in a state race. Um, but you're trying to hang on with the top guys, and and yet so you know they would go through their pace, and I think to, yeah probably to cover up, um, we'll try and feel like you're a part of the race. You sort of follow that pace they set but which is beyond and like uh, what you know you should be probably running and these guys I, I saw it yeah last Friday night we were down at Deakin Uni here in Geelong and the boys did the 2k um, and straight away first first heat this guy's gone out in 61 seconds and I turned to the other dudes and I go you do realise that's 505 pace for 2k <laughs> Yeah. We watch him run 450. Well, the Australian record is 450. Mottram, one of the greatest runners of all time. Um, and I just thought, yeah, straight away I said to the rest of the group, even pace it, boys, even pace it. And the next few heats did come back a bit and um, they probably got a little bit better, but they still were probably too fast for the first lap. And I think that's probably just getting sucked into the pace that's, you know, and trying to. Um, I guess impressing that first lap, isn't it really? Yeah. But ultimately, it's the finishing time we're after because that's what, you know, some of the head coaches weren't even there. Um, so they're only seeing a, a time at the end of the day. So they don't care what it looked like. If you were off the back of the pack of the first lap, they wouldn't know that. So know, what, like, what was the fastest time down there? 6.07. That's, yeah, okay. So you told me that yeah. before. That is, yeah. That's still solid, isn't yeah. it? That's yeah. some fast Very running. fast running. And then were there, was there anyone within, within the vicinity of that? Uh, I think... Yeah, back a little bit after that, 6.15 was the next okay, best time. Um, really but time. overall, really quality, and and, um, and there was no real slouches at the back of the field. Um, but, um, so it was overall, yeah, really, I think I think the conditioning guys are really happy with how it went. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's just, just a funny thing. So I think that was something definitely that comes up in the 2K. And I think it, especially if you're trying to get into the elite programs, people do do look at your pretty time. So you want to put your best performance out there. And I think this is just a little hot tip that don't get sucked into the pace in the first lap would be my advice. And you're clearly on the same page. Yeah, 100%. I always find the, the time trials interesting. I think I spoke about this in the, the last time we caught up because like, what was a massive eye-opener for me was when I was down with Box Hill Hawks, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned that... Uh, Oh my gosh, I've blanked on his... Sam Mitchell. Sam Mitchell came down, one of the greats from Hawthorne, came down... Current coach. And got... Oh, is he really? Okay, news to me. I've got to pay more attention to the preseason <laughs> world of, of football. But um, he came out and got absolutely smoked uh, by a, a heap of blokes I that wonder what were, time he would do. He probably wouldn't break much under... He'd probably be a high of the mid-sixes, I'd imagine. I, I, I don't see him running a low six. Well, this particular night, I'll guess he was mid-sevens. I don't know how fit he was. like, But I remember him being well off the back of the pack. Mid-sevens, you reckon? But I'll, that's what I'll guess. Kidding. He was a long one. I'm sorry, Sam, if you're listening, but and I'm wrong. But wow. I remember I remember just being like, oh my gosh, like well, it's I, incredible. He didn't look like he... Like he clearly was an, in an under-type player and, um, you know, and he, we knew he wasn't a hell of an athlete. He was no... You know Isaac Smith or something, but yeah. yeah, it's interesting that that kind of time is probably that's surprising. It was interesting to me though because this is this is what people always say. They'll try and draw an example like a Sam Mitchell and say, okay, how relevant is running to the world of football? And as you say, like Isaac Smith's a completely other kettle of fish. But for a bloke like Sam Mitchell, he's just a ball magnet. So he seemed to be able to just find the ball wherever yeah. he was on the field. He was just in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. And I always look at running. And especially a two K time trial is like a, it's like a little added weapon. It's a it's a little bit of extra arsenal. It's it's really helpful in the final quarter if your engine's a bit better. Like one of the things that that players uh, used to always say to me in the last quarter was, "Tosh, you've just got such natural speed." And you and I both <laughs> both know that's not true. Like my speed would be like middle of the pack. I probably would have run not much under thirteen seconds for for a hundred meters. Maybe like a little bit of a, a, a herd kind of speed. Yep. Do you know? But. But what I think really made me stand out for my speed in the latter parts of a game was just an understanding of, of speed endurance, an understanding of building a foundation, and an understanding of, of just how much of an advantage that running component of your training can be if you can tap into it well. It's a bit like um, Carl Lewis on the greatest 
um, sprinters all the time, won a few of them gold medals. Um, it looked like he was speeding up at the end of 100 metres, but he actually wasn't speeding up. He was just maintaining his speed better mm. than the rest of the field, and they were falling away, um, which is probably a bit of the, the, what you're trying to get across here, is that come the third, fourth quarter, a guy like yourself with a huge aerobic base would have been able to keep going, and then your pace probably didn't dip much, but then some other guys probably aren't quite as fit are starting to slow down a bit and um, and then they're looking like you're running faster than anyone. Yeah, it was a massive confidence booster as well. I think that the thing that I always love or the thing that I encourage the athletes that are, that are working with me is is once you start to tap into that ability uh, or, or your running ability, whether you've done a little bit, whether you've done a lot, if you can start to tap into it, start to build, to build your engine and realise your fatigue level is not kicking in so quickly, going into the latter part of a, a third quarter, even, even the first half in some instances, but especially that last quarter, I was always like, whether it was true or not, I'd go into that, that last part of the game with just a confidence like, mate, like try and, try and beat me to the ball. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And to have, whether that's right or not, if you're going in with that much sort of confidence in your ability to get the ball first, a lot of the time it seems to happen. So, yeah. um, And then as people started to point it out, it started to become more of a, um, a weapon for me. And for me, it was probably a... Uh, my skill my skill levels needed a little bit more work because I, I was a late comer back yeah. to the game at AFL. Yeah, and um, it was my my skills that needed some work. So so while that part of the game was coming along, to have that that little head start yeah. to actually give you a bit more chance with a couple of fumbles that might have yeah. kicked in yeah. was always helpful. What did you um did you do a time trial that, that the preseason you did at Box Hill? Did you do a time trial that that summer? We did we did so down at Waverley Park they have it's like a five hundred meter track around the outside. Yep. yep. I, I can't remember the time I I ran. Break six. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, I don't think it was a two k time trial. I think oh, okay. it was a. I think it might have been three k. Okay. I remember I broke the record. I just can't remember what the time was because <laughs> I'd, I'd come straight back from the um from the running world. Yeah. And it was yeah, uh, yeah. it was literally I was the fittest I'd ever been. I wasn't carrying you much must weight. Be close like to nine flat work. It was it was hard because the the track was it was quite sandy at the time. Yeah. So I genuinely can't remember the time I yeah, ran, yeah. but I remember getting across the line and being like, oh. I, I just know if this was like a nice gravel track, all of us would be running a little bit quicker. Yeah, yeah. But Sam yeah. Collins, who I think he's playing up at Gold Coast now, yeah. was playing at Box Hill at the time, and he was um, he was a good runner too. Was he drafted late? Was he? Uh, he was. I'm oh, pretty sure. He's a good player. I reckon he's dad. I reckon he got picked up um, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah, okay. But his dad, his dad coaches out at Donvale now. I'm pretty sure. Right. Kevin, I think his name is, and he was a he's like a tough nut and a great coach or great assistant yeah. down at um. Yeah. Down at Box Hill at the time, yeah. he was a really good guy to, yeah. to have around. Yeah, yeah. Now it is interesting. Um, I think too clearly, the fit you are come later in the game. Obviously, executing skills is just the biggest one. So if you're fitter, um, have a higher aerobic capacity, aren't getting as fatigued as some other players, you're going to be able to execute those kicks, which is what it's all about. Yeah, isn't it? that's so, a good point. So that that's the that's the massive one, and you notice that like. During a training session, even by the end of the session, some of the kicks are getting sprayed and players are dropping marks, and it's just just fatigue. Just this morning, I had a coach message me and ask, um, hey, Tyce, so we're doing the running training as a part of, of the skill training. So Tuesday, Thursday, they meet up, they do their yeah. training, um, they've got about an hour and a half together. He goes, Mate, are we just doing our, are we doing our running training before? Are we doing our running training after? And I always encourage the guys for exactly the reason you just said to, to if you can, one night a week do the running before so you can practice those skills and drills under fatigue while yep. you're tired, yep. trying to get on top of that, just that mental element of the game. And then the other day, do the reverse. So you're coming out, you're working on some real silky, smooth, just high quality skills. Um, and then maybe the running element of, of is a little yeah. bit more difficult, especially mentally, to know that you've got a pretty tough running session coming up after you've done your schoolwork is is something to, uh, I always enjoyed the mental challenge of the sport, so it's something I think you've got to try and manoeuvre, especially in AFL, you're constantly dodging challenges and trying to work with difficulties, so I, I like the, the idea of that being like a mental training component. Yeah, so a lot of people are in pre-season um, across the community now, and they're doing probably a couple of sessions a week, I think probably the standard for most clubs, um, particularly senior football, junior football probably hasn't kicked off yet, but I think most under-18s would have been doing something so if they're training, say, Monday, Wednesday night, and these are pretty heavy sessions, like um, supposed to be probably going for a couple of hours, mm -hmm. balls out as well, maybe doing some gym. Um, what are you suggesting players do 
those other days. Um, because I know a lot of these sessions, you need to be primed for these sessions, mm-hmm. these couple of sessions a week. Um, because they are heavy sessions and they want you want to execute well. You don't want to get there a bit flat or too, or not, not, yeah, a bit flat's okay, but not too fatigued, I think. Yeah. Um, so how much you, for a, like a, you know, football who wants to improve their running, how much would you recommend maybe over those few days in between the two sessions? Yeah, it's a good question. It really, I would say it depends on a few factors. First of all, um, how fits the player. Yeah. Um, second of all, what position are they actually training to play in? Is it a full yeah. forward or a rover or a wingman? Um, third of all, how much time and how much commitment do they have to it? And, and with those factors, say if you're a, like a 17-year-old wingman, um, very committed, very disciplined, really want to get the most out of it, I think there's, there's a whole spectrum of things that you can do. So say, using your example, you've got your Monday, Wednesday, really hard sessions. Yep. Say if you're a relatively fit player, the way that my membership structured is, so uh, using that two, that two session per week model, so you've got your hard running sessions there, and then from a running sense outside of that, it might just be very like a very slow 15 to 30 minute run, depending on exactly... Uh, uh, it's hard to it's hard to do just like a broad brushstroke. That's why I'm working yeah, with these guys more yeah. individually. So if you um, so on a Friday or Saturday, you're saying going for a fifteen to thirty minute run. Um, at what uh, percentage of your max? Like what sort of pace are we talking? Well, for me, I always say keep those easy runs at a slow. You'd be embarrassed to be seen running at. Okay, so like fifty percent sort of pace. Yeah, 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 like a four out of ten, even a little bit yeah, slower. My easy slower. runs, even still, I'll go out and I'll do like a maybe one set hard session a week at the yeah, moment, just some yeah, sprints. Yeah. And and that's like my hard hit yeah, out. But yeah. for me, going into that session, I know, okay, this is my hard hit out. Yeah. Uh, so I can get myself all prepped for that. That The the recovery runs, the idea there is is obviously just to turn your legs over, to try and get that blood flowing, to try and... Yeah. I always like the idea of just running out any yeah. soreness. But then on top of that, um, there's so many other little things you can do from... Uh, I was a classic for just going to the... Stopping by the servo on the way home from training grabbing a bag of ice, putting the bag of ice in my bathtub at home and sitting in that for 10 or 15 minutes, which yep. is super painful, but obviously helps that blood rush into the deeper part of your muscles, yep. help oxygenate that, and just help flush out any of the crap that's stored up in there. Yeah. And then if you can get if you can get access to like a, even if it's self-massage or a foam roller, um, obviously looking after things like hydration. It's not just, as you know, like it's not just the running element of the game yeah. that we're looking at. It's the running, but also the recovery. recovery because yeah. you can be the best runner for a week, yeah. but usually the best runner is the person who's who's tied together yeah. at weeks, months, and, and even years of, of pretty solid training. Yeah, it's it's a it's really the flip side of the coin, isn't it? Like you've got um, you got guys with ability to train hard, which is really crucial, clearly, um, and do the sessions during the week. But probably on the flip side, really, is the recovery, isn't it? Mm. Like, it's like the, it's, it's probably, it's getting up there. It's, it's such importance, isn't it? Because if you can get your recovery right, you can train harder. So the harder you, the better you recover, the better you can train. And the better you train, you know, the better player you become. So, um, but if you're not recovering and you're showing up and you're sore or you're really fatigued, you're just not getting that out of session eight. So it's a real, and that's probably what's separating a lot of players, isn't it, in a yeah. way. Um, you know, I think, you look at the elite guys, particularly, um, and I know this is community as well, but I'm um, trying to balance it in, but the elite guys, like the Scott Penderbury's, they're, they're doing the recovery stuff to the inch of their lives, if you know what I mean. I think yeah. they're working that side of things, like, you know, like, yeah, like Dyson Heppel. You just see them in those cryotherapy, doing the extras, you know, doing, getting down the water, putting some time in the legs. Um, they seem to really work hard at it, don't they? Yeah. Um, so community level, so if you're playing senior footy locally or uh, maybe you're trying to make a rep team, um, you know, get into a NAB squad or something as a junior, um, what's some things you, yeah, so you've mentioned a few things, but is there other things, like uh, these guys aren't, they've got schoolwork or they've got full-time jobs, what sort of things would you streamline, you could streamline the recovery process, is there anything else you'd, you'd probably um, throw at them? Yeah, I'm a really big fan of just of just finding routine. So, like most people, hopefully, me have, too. Uh, routine, is yeah. Where it's at. yeah. Like if you can, if you can find a structure, and Tony Robbins is he's really big on this idea of chunking. Yep. Like putting similar activities in a similar space yep. of your day. So well, maybe people don't know how, Tony Robbins, just a high performance coach. He's a bit of a guru in the in the area. Um, some people sort of 
I think some people sort of turn their nose up to him a little bit, but I think the reality is he is exceptional what he does in terms yeah. of getting the best out of individuals. So yeah. sorry, carry on. No, that's a good point. Yeah, some people some people think it's a bit wanky, but he's, he's got he's got a lot of good stuff he throws out. I there think as so well. too. Yeah. I agree. Um, one of the things that he speaks about is is this idea of chunking. So if you're a little bit strapped for time or you're not 100 percent sure where to start. Um, hopefully all of us are having a shower a day. Do you know what I mean? So maybe after a shower, if you're 16, you've just got home, maybe ask mum or dad to pull over at the BP station, um, grab you a bag of ice, and, and just make that the routine. That For 10 minutes before you have your shower, maybe three times a week, you just sit in an ice bath, ideally after one of your harder sessions during the week. So you might finish your rep training, might be one of the Falcons boys, go home, get the ice in the bath, then have a shower. That's a really simple way that it literally takes 10 minutes. And I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of the time, um, so much of my time is like frittered away on minor details when I'm not actually clear about what I'm trying to achieve. So if you can go, all right, well, running's an element of, of my performance I'd like to improve, but so is recovery, and then break that down even further. So with the recovery example, you might say, okay, recovery is once a month I get a massage, once a week I have an ice bath, um, and every day I make sure I'm drinking at like an appropriate level of water. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you can just make that the start point, yeah. uh, that's that's a lot better than just doing just yeah, the hard yeah. running and that's it. So I'm a really big fan of, of just doing a, a one percenter consistently mm. rather than trying to do 25 things for a week and then just watching it all, all fizzle through. So if you could just do three things in the recovery element um, on a weekly basis that will take you 10 minutes each thing, I reckon that's a great place to start. Well, when I had... Um John Quinn on um, a few episodes ago now, um, he talked about like even if you're speaking of hydration, if you're a little bit dehydrated, like your performance suffers majorly. Like so, just maintaining. I've actually bought this new drink bottle, which is handy for me because I sometimes forget to drink too. Um, but just it has like how much you should be drinking during the day, like, yeah. and I think something like that even just a really simple thing for the kid, you know, guys who might be in school or listening and you're, you're playing footy locally and you um got a job. So I think just those sorts of things, maintaining hydration, I think you're spot on. I think yeah. that's very doable. So let's be honest, people aren't going to spend hours on the roll, you know, the roller every day. Um, they're not going to, and people have financial constraints. How much cami goes to the um, maybe I'm just a bit of a tight ass, but <laughs> how many times <laughs> you got to pay for right. someone to massage, you know, give you a massage, um, even buy an ice, there's a few dollars. I know another one, like that maybe ice, just to throw an idea up to the audience, is um, it's just in the shower, going hot, cold, hot, cold, maybe half a yeah, dozen times. That's a great way to do it. Minute on, minute off sort of style. I have heard that um, um, as a way of helping flush out that lactic acid in your legs. Yeah, um, if you're looking for like a, a nice budget way to do things as well, it's a great way. Also, getting like a paper cup that you might take to a party to drink your drinks out of um, and filling that up with ice and putting that in the freezer and then just uh, peeling away like the top inch of that and holding the cup and using it as almost like a, an ice massage. I, mean, yeah. I used to find that helpful when I was training for a marathon a couple of years ago just to get stuck into my calves and you can you can get a little bit of pressure in there. We are getting crafty now. <laughs> yeah, really crafty. Some great YouTube videos on that. And just to touch on your hydration point, there's a, there's a company in, in the UK um, which I'm a really big fan of. I've worked closely with the guy, Andy Blow. He's a hydration expert. And if you go to the, uh, precisionhydration.com, they have a, they, they give you like a free sweat test. So they ask you questions about um, how much you sweat. Uh, and basically through this individualized uh, questionnaire, they'll tell you exactly what you should be replacing in your, in your actual hydration plan. Yeah. So it's a really helpful way of, because one of the things he was saying to me was you don't just want to drink water and just assume yeah. that you know, like a lot of people make the mistake of like, all right, if I just smash a whole heap of water, that's going to be good. But a lot of the time, they're just flushing their system of the, I've got a the essentials. Story for you. So, uh, what was it? it must have been ten years. I ago. brought this up on a podcast with him just a couple of days ago. <laughs> well, ten years ago, uh, twenty twelve, I ran my first marathon, and we're trying to break three hours. As you know, that mm -hmm. was the goal. It was probably a bit of a lofty goal, but it was it was exciting to have. Anyway, long story short, I um the race was the Sunday morning Melbourne Marathon, and I probably from Friday night I started hydrating. There you go, gotta hydrate, gotta hydrate, right? And I'm, this is my rookie first marathon. And come Saturday morning, I'm hydrating, I'm drinking, I'm drinking, I'm drinking a shitload of water. I think I was drinking a little bit of carb, um, Gatorade as well, which is fine. But I was just over drinking. And I remember I had to go to the bloody Melbourne MCG to pick up my race pack, right? For the next day. You go there and you get your number and you get your shirt and whatever else. And uh, honestly, I was 
pissing my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I was walking back to my car and you gotta walk right around the G and there's no bathroom. I was bust, I was overhydrated so much. I had to find a tree to go take a leak. <laughs> and, um, and I was pissing all afternoon. <laughs> and come the next day, I felt flat. Yeah. And what I what had happened looking back is I had drank too much li- liquid, and I'd flushed a lot of the good stuff out of body, all the nutrients and that, for just over overhydrating, and I was a bit flat on the day. And of course, come during the race, I run out, did the first on pace. I think we went through in one twenty eight, and I was feeling pretty good. Come about twenty five k's in, it just oh. stacked up in the old marathon wall I hit, oh. and just it was, that was the end of my day. I did. Struggled to the end of the line, but I had an awful last 15 or so Ks. And um, that day I learned a lot though. And I've done a couple of long runs since um, for marathon type efforts. And um, and I've definitely never forgotten that day. But overhydrate. You can definitely overhydrate. Like it was... Um, you so, don't really think of it, do you? I've yeah, just always been told yeah. that if you wheeze clear, you're hydrated. And that was yeah. about the extent of my hydration knowledge. And then I always thought that was an interesting story. And I wondered how much there was to it. And I mentioned yeah. it on, a, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he explained exactly what you did, that you're yeah. flushing out so many of the essential, yeah. uh, like the little essential minerals and things that you, you, you want in your body. Yeah. Um, and uh, Well, well mate Jacko, um, you know Jacko, he's um, a good runner himself. And he said to me, oh, you don't overhydrate. And that was at lunchtime on the Saturday, and by then it was too late for me. I already, already oh. drank way too much that, <laughs> the last 24 hours. And that, that just rang my ears the next day. I was like, oh dear. So It's an important one to remember as well, isn't it? Because, yeah, as I said, like I had, I've been involved in the sport for over 20 years now, and that was something that was relatively new to me. So, yeah. um, like, I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cliches and basic, just fundamental ideas that are thrown around, and one of them is, hey, make sure you're hydrated. But what specifically does that look like is a, is a really helpful question to to get your head around but yeah as you say like there's there's so many elements of, of our game that we can improve from the running to recovery to skills that um you're right you can fill up all your time in the world uh, just with more and more and more but i guess it's clarifying all right what's essential what needs work what do i personally need to work on and then coming up with with like a a, a more simple and structured plan to make sure those things are getting done yeah i think just yeah i'd say just tailoring it to your lifestyle a bit what's going to work for you what are you really going to do like yeah. you know what can you actually fit in and and make happen and you might live near the coast too so if you're living in like you are here down in lovely Point Lonsdale are we Point Lonsdale or Queenscliff this we're, is technically we Queenscliff we're about 200 metres across the border right, yeah. so you're in the middle you're in the middle so we'll go with we'll go with Queenscliff lovely Queenscliff welcome to Ripon Town and um um, average age is about 75. <laughs> Correct. And it would be 93 if me and Jessica <laughs> live here. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, yeah, you can jump in the water down here for straight away. If you're yeah. near the ocean, like, that's brilliant, obviously, clearly. Oh, it's my favourite way to end a long run. Yeah, like whether it's, yeah. whether it's hot or cold, I'll just go and jump You just notice it. it. You go for a run, you go spend 20 minutes in the water and you just feel the recovery. Your legs just seem to bounce back so much better. Yeah. Um, same with a pool, if you happen to have a pool or you live near one. Um, so using the facilities you got, I'm not sure if a dam would work if you live on a farm. I don't I don't ever got the dam at home, back on our farm at home. That but, was a um, scary dam to get into. I've seen that. Well, they're always, dry, they're always dry. I've been droughts for years. Actually, funny, they've got plenty of water in this year because they've had a shitload of rain down in Gippsland. So, yeah, I tell um, you, there would have been a few cold days down there. We did. I remember I've got memories of me, you, and a couple of other people going for a swim. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that was in the pine forest, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah that was a dirty old pine forest. Like, but that was fun. It was fun. So, um, But, yeah, so I think use your... Use your um, what you got around you, um, and if you got a foam roller, get into it. If you got one, that's your thing. You enjoy that, or um, and then like I know a lot of local footballers. You know, I think diet still is something you can always work on, and geez, I could work on mine too. So, but um, that's something you can definitely work on. Just add bits and pieces to it. Um, I don't. I don't know if we're going to go. Well, maybe we won't go into that today because that's just a whole different kettle of fish. But. You know, there's a lot of things that are going to help a lot, you know. And sleep's probably the other big one, isn't it? Yeah. Like getting your eight hours sleep, especially if you're highly, you know, you're training hard. Yeah. Getting that. Um, again, maybe it's just, just self-reflecting. I'd probably do something better on that too. But yeah. that's what happens when you have two kids under two. It, oh, kind of, it messes you up. So. It's so true. And even if you don't, like if you're a 16-year-old kid and you've just got an iPod, or an iPod, an iPad, 
that's isn't that a funny slip? Start showing your age. You're referencing iPods now. I remember when they, Do they were, exist anymore. Are they, sure, are they all sure. done? I think they're all just I, iPhones. Yeah, I remember my first iPod. I think it was about 2003, and um, <laughs> it's 20 years ago now. It's quietly. Jesus oh, Christ! Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's crazy. But one of the things that, that I've done some work in schools, and and so many of the students, like you'll you'll get into the school. And uh, they'll, they'll, every morning there'll be a number of kids who just look exhausted. I go, mate, yeah. did, you get, did you get some sleep last night? I go, and they say, oh, no, I didn't get to bed till two because I was watching such and such. So if you're really disciplined about it, and I know I delete Instagram. I've given myself a two-month ban because I spend too much time <laughs> on there. Um, I delete it during the week. That's a smart move. So with the biz and the staff and the footy coach staff, we just you know, post usually early in the week and yeah. then um, new episode or whatever. Um, and then I usually delete it because it is a bloody... It's just a minefield, isn't it? You just get in there and you can just lose hours. Oh, it's so easy. Like even having a designated place that your your phone lives. Like if you're a if you're a seventeen year old kid that or a thirty four year old bloke who, who struggles with uh you know just a, a little bit of disconnection from those devices, it's nice. I for me, I, I go to the the little studio at the back of my house, just put it on my my bookshelf, and, and that's just where it lives. No screens in the bedroom. Simple. I think that's a great that's rule. A I, can't, I, I do constantly break it. I, I break it occasionally by trying to keep it out. Yeah. Don't put it in the bedroom. It's a smart move. And if you, if you need to use it for your fucking alarm, go buy a real one. Great point. <laughs> go spend 10 bucks to yeah, get a real alarm point. and put it in there. Um, it's um, actually funny with alarms. It's just, just a bit of a, a young dad joke. Um, <laughs> but I've got my alarm on my watch now and it's just vibration only because... It goes off for like I get up pretty early anyway, and um, and but anyway, it's just funny. I got to keep it real quiet because I got the little three month old sleeping oh, in the same sleeping room. Sleeping in the room as well. Yeah, so uh, if I goes off, I get yelled at if I <laughs> if my alarm go off. So I've got the vibration happening in my my wrist, and I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what? The, you know, it's so it takes funny. Me, it takes me a second to adjust to what the hell's going on. Does it wake you up every morning? It does. Like, yeah. yeah, it does. It does. It works well actually, and then I have I have a backup alarm behind that. Um, and then I would make sure I switch it off before it goes off. So. <laughs> but anyway, that's just a bit of a, a young, every young adult parent will know that that's the case. Yeah, it's so true. Well, my alarm clock is my son. <laughs> so I don't get a chance. It's a brutal way to wake I, I actually hate waking up that way. Luckily, like little Lachlan, he sleeps through pretty good now, but um, it's a brutal way to wake up, isn't oh, it? With kids screaming. It's just like, oh, it's a killer. Oh, it is man, a killer. Talk about it. Like you take your hats off to like athletes who have young kids. Um, I don't know, like just come to mind. Luke Hodge had kids, I think, relatively 24, 25, I reckon. And um, so he played his whole career with young kids. Like that'd be tough, I think. Imagine like on a, you're playing like a semi-final and um, pressure's on and you're playing your kids up all night. Oh. I think even, I was just reading Herdy's book the other day too and he talked about before, was it before the grand final? I think it was before the prelim in 2000. Might have been the call final. One of the finals games, his daughter, um, oh. I can't remember her name, what's it? Sophie? Anyway, she shouldn't, anyway. Um, one of his, his daughter was sick and was in hospital, oh, and it's just, no. yeah, and then he went, went up all night with that, and then just a game time decision whether he's going to play or not, and then he played and played well. But, like, that's it's good effort, isn't it? Like, that's, that's what you don't see with athletes come game day. You just expect to roll them out and play a good game. That's it, great. Um, he's a better bloke than me. I would have said to to my wife, I would have been, babe, I'm just going to go stay at mum's tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, yeah I, think, I think she was pretty sick, I wow. think, memory. But, um, yeah, it's amazing come game day how athletes perform. And it's just the mental toughness to be able to do it. Yeah. Because um, everyone has something going on, really. Like, from some mundane thing to something bigger like that. Um, yeah, the ability to perform on the game, on the day, and, no, you know, any sport, but, like, just, yeah, to do it. Um, I guess works a bit like that or even school exams, like come your English exam. Yeah. There's no tomorrow. There's just that one day for three hours that you sit down and do your year 12 English exam. And if you have to get a certain score to get into a certain university, yeah. game on. If you get sick, if your cat gets run over the night before, it's game on, isn't it? I'm so. not sure how often Beyonce's been referenced on the Footy Coach podcast, but <laughs> one thing that I love about Beyonce, one thing that I think is super cool, she's got a reputation for as being like an amazing performer, yeah. is is when she hits that stage or even the lead up to it, it's almost like an alter ego that she taps into. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. all right, this, I, I, I'm not 100% sure what she calls herself, but it's it's essentially... I, 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 funny enough, I do... <laughs> Kind of know this. I thought you might. I didn't I, want to. I didn't want to throw you under the bus. I, I don't actually. <laughs> I, I I am a bit of, like I'm not really a fan of her music much, but um and then some people really think you're just going to admire her because she's good looking. But um 
if she's actually a beast of a of a business person and a yeah. beast of a of a competitor and a beast of a um a worker like mm-hmm. she fucking works like and um and I watched this doco on it once and she's um and and yeah I think it's it's Sasha Fierce which is Sasha. Sasha. <laughs> I love that uh, I love that thank that's you that's ridiculous <laughs> I know that but I I do admire Jay Z and then I, I sort of got onto a, a rabbit hole following her work ethic and how she goes but but I love you know me I, I love following successful people yeah. and how they go about it I'm just obsessed by that and um there's a little bit of that element in it is, is I reckon it's cool if you can regardless of the night you have like if you can tap into your version of Sasha Fierce when you well, jump out there on the Eminem open has Slim Shady you yes. know um you know, Kanye has his thing well these guys are all doing it you know um easier um and you know, they, they, they are tapping into that. And I think definitely athletes tap into that. Like, you know, you see a footballer on the field um, and how aggressive they are. And, and then you see them on a, on a, going for a coffee and then the nicest bloke you'll ever, yeah. <laughs> ever come across. It's, you know, you call it white light fever or whatever it is, but people are tapping into And it's a good thing. If I think it's a good thing. perspective, if you can tap into that, like, you know, like, even like a dermy. Like, look at him back in the day. Like, he was killer on the field um, but you know you see him now and he's pretty cocky but he's you know <laughs> like he seems like a great player you could have a hang around not that I've I've had him on here or anything yet but um, but yeah you know like I think that is a it is a thing um, John the Brown's another one Shh, Jesus yeah. you're scared of living daylights out of you if you were running into that forward line and you knew he was in there somewhere <laughs> coming at you um, you know so and yet, yeah, you hear Brownie now. How good a bloke is he? He's so, a fantastic uh, bloke. And lovely as well. Again, it seems like a lovely like guy. Yeah, again, I haven't, haven't had him on here. Or I haven't spoken to myself personally, but just from looking from afar. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that is a big thing you can definitely tap into. Yeah. Um, it's can... funny where this podcast is going. We just start talking about random things. But, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, to be able to tap into an alter ego for such um, and having that confident personality come out on game day, there's no doubt confidence you know having that um you know real sort of killer instinct isn't yeah. it really of just we're gonna we're gonna do this you know well um, i was just finding it interesting you said it before it doesn't matter uh, uh we're all gonna have those highs and lows we're gonna have those moments where we wake up and we're tired or our daughter's been in hospital or our cat got run over or whatever like this ideal of rob de costella he used to always say there's no such thing as a perfect lead up to any race yeah. um so so our focus should not be on okay how perfect's the lead up been but all right, am I ready to go? And once, once you, uh, Dusty Martin was a great example of as well. He talks about the uh, the footy oval as just being his sanctuary. Once he's out there, every other part of his life is forgotten. He just focuses on what he's got to do out there. So I, I love that idea of all right, hey, forget it. this idea of the perfect lead up doesn't exist. Um, so regardless of you know what you've been through, what you're going through, once you get that, once you get out there, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, just focus on the the task at hand. Yeah. And um, it's amazing how much power. And I always feel a massive weight come off my shoulders when I'm like, all right, if I can just be focused on what, what's actually going on in this race, in this game, yeah. um, I'm not worried about what bills I've got to pay or whatever else. It's it's so much easier and so much more relaxing to be out there. Yeah. More yeah, enjoyable. Right. And I think a lot of top athletes too, um, I think it might be Yana Pittman said this, or I'm trying to think what athletes said it. Um, but long story short, they want to be so good at what they do that on their off days they can still win. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're, your footy club, uh, at its best, which is great, yeah, you, you win you win most games, let's assume. But you need to be so good that when your team's only playing, not, you know, an average day for whatever reason, they're still good enough to win. And I, I, I kind of like that idea because come grand final, like, there's only one day. Yeah. And if you are just solely relying on that absolute best performance, like, it's going to be hard to win them, if you know what I mean. Like, you need to be able to win and you need to be able to play well. Um, I think Brendan McCartney was big on that at Geelong back in there, sort of 10 years ago. So, like, if it's not your day, if it's not, you're not kicking two goals and having 30, um, don't make it a terrible day. Like, get to 20 touches. That's just do point. your bit, you that's know. That's a good point. Um, and I think that really should resonate with all footballers. Um, just try and limit your day. And it's, it's no different to just your own work. You know, we've got a bigger picture here, but just your schooling or your work life. Like, if you can... Not every day is going to be a winning mm-hmm. personal record top day, but if you could just avoid those dreaded days where you get nothing done and, and no good training or no good working, um, 
I think it just still keeps you on the path. That's a Jocko special. I feel yeah. you've said that for years to me. It's always yeah. sort of resonated. I think that's something you, that you've really tried to embody in what you do. Like, if you're having a bad day, don't let it be a blowout. And yeah. it's so true. It's so true. Like, you look at the AFL world, and it, it's rare that a team just wins 22 yeah. matches in a year, yeah. 22 games in a year, goes through, wins the final. Every player has just an outstanding yeah. game every week. Even the likes of your, your Dusties of the world, some days it's going to go out there. But yeah. last season was a classic example. Like, there's a few games where he'd go out, and you go, hang on a second, has he lost yeah. it? And then he'd come out the next week and, you yeah. know, get 30, yeah. kick two, you yeah. know, oh, he's back. Um, but, but just that but, ability to bounce back is a... He'd never have, like, eight touches, though, you know. And yeah. We are talking Dusty's one of the best. But even if you just took a good player... Um, we mentioned him before, like an Isaac Smith, a good player. He's one, obviously won a few flags, but um, like even he, yeah, he's pretty consistent. Like he never really has a shocker. Like, but yeah, he'll go out and a good game and have twenty five and kick a goal or something. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, the guys who and he's been playing for ten years plus now. The guys who are probably in the system for a long time manage that because as a team you can't afford to have too many players having the shockers, you know. Yeah. That, that's when coaches get fired. Yeah, yeah, it's a good you know, point. Like, if you have a multiple players having shockers, getting seven touches or not touching it or just have no impact, um, that's when the team really suffers. Um, and you see those young teams, I guess, too, but the guys who have those 10-year careers seem to, yeah. Like Scott Penderbury, like for instance, he's yeah. obviously one of the best to do it, but... Yeah, that run, I don't know how many games it was, but he, more than 20 touches, it was just astronomical. So, like, he never had a shocker, you know? Like, yeah. then that's elite, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think that can apply definitely to local level. Like, if you can just avoid those shockers... Yeah. Uh, ...where you, you know, you throw the towel in, if you can avoid those type of days and just get what you can out of the game. And sometimes it's late, too. Like, you just can't throw the towel in Kenya like last quarter it can just be the difference you had a shocking day as a small forward or something or a key forward or whatever you know like it could just be a couple of marks in the last quarter and you win the game you know so yeah it's amazing isn't it like, it is amazing and it's amazing depending on what role you play in a team like I remember Cyril Rioli could have eight touches and be best on ground <laughs> do you know what I mean that's because right. obviously as a small it's forward magic. if you've kicked four goals from eight, eight touches it's it's yeah. obvious I'm preaching to the converted here but yeah, yeah. It's, it's obviously not all just about possessions and things like that and um, yeah, I, I think like if you're a player out there who, who's been through a phase where you've had a couple of shockers, like obviously this is a, a progression. So the first step might be, all right, let's just focus on reducing the regularity of a shocker. And then it might be, all right, let's just make a shocker. The stand-up comedy world, which I appreciate as well, is um, Louis C.K. used to say, he would say that uh, like you would, you'd start your comedy and everything was a bomb. Like every time you got on stage, it was a bomb. And your goal was eventually to make it 50% bomb, 50% good. Yeah. And then it'd be, all right, let's just bomb 25% of the time. And then when you're real good, it's, real good, it's like, all right, we're only allowed to bomb 5% of the time now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's almost a skill that you can develop. And, and, and once you can get past like a couple of those hiccups, whether you're a... Um, whether you're on the footy field, whether you're a runner, whether you're a stand-up comedy, I think there's uh, there's something really powerful about just being able to um, to bounce back from a disappointment. And I always like the idea of I think I might have copied this from you, just zooming out a little bit every now and then, taking a bit of a bird's eye approach, not getting so caught up on mm. one particular game and and deciding how talented you are based on that one game. But going, all right, well this is hopefully a 15 year career for me, 20 year career. Um, I'm here to sort of make an impact. So, as you say, reduce the regularity of the shockers. Start focusing on the shocker being 20 touches, depending on your position. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's just a constant progression in every element of the game, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's never-ending. I think, and that's what I like to try and preach, is, you know, you're just never-ending development, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's never-ending. I don't care if, you're, if your name is Gary Ablett or, um, you know, Dusty Martin, whoever it is, like you're just constantly trying to get better, you know, and that goes right down through. And that, and and the reason why listeners, the reason why you're constantly searching for the development, because that's where the fun is. Yeah. That's where the that's where the happiness is. Yeah. Is when you do your best, you, you get your most touches, you lay the most tackles you've done, you held your opponent's scores for the first time. Uh, that's where the fun is. And that's why you strive for it. You know, yeah. you think back to your to your most fond memories, the day when you had those breakthroughs, like you, you kicked your first goal for the first time, or you had your first thirty touches, or you, you know, um, you, you, yeah, you 
you held your opponent to one or less goals for the first time, or um... I still remember playing under tens and running over to my mum's car at quarter time because I kicked my first point. But <laughs> 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 it is funny; it's just that yeah. the idea of kicking a point when you're 23 years old. Well, you don't forget it, do you? Yeah. You don't forget it, and um, and that's what you strive for. And I think that's where the fun is, and that's where people talk about enjoying the process, which uh, is something that I think you have to constantly work at to do in terms of um, just being focused on your process of, of getting better in terms of your training and your recovery and so forth. Um, but if that's where you can find the enjoyment and that's where you do get the enjoyment, that's that's what makes great, you know, a great career really. And no matter what sort of talent you have, whether that's community level or VFL or AFL, or, yeah. um, if you can get that mindset, um, I think the great footballers in AFL are probably easier to pick because they have that mindset. Yeah. Like, like um, listeners know I'm a Bombers fan and like I love Zach Merritt like, yes. uh, and he talks openly about the process and he just loves the training loves trying to get better I'm a Carlton fan and I love Zach Merritt well everyone loves Zach <laughs> he's Merritt a... he's just a gun um, and you know was he two two or three time All-Australian sure. three time best and fairest winner he's 25 like he's elite and um, and who knows what he could do if he can keep and when he well he'll be striving constantly to get better like who knows what the like really, yeah, it really is it top of the line whether he potentially win a brown there's nothing stopping him from doing that yeah. Um, so yeah I think that mindset is, is where the good players get to I don't, you, you're never finished you know you never um, you know you never you never it's never finished it's just like a it's like a work of art you're just never finished you're yeah. just constantly trying to improve yeah alright that's probably what people love about this podcast is the fact that you can there's just so much information to glean from so many different people and yeah. it sounds like from, from what I've heard and, and the, those of your uh, your listeners that I've spoken to it sounds as though they keep coming back here because they're like they're really aware of um, just how much there is to learn from so many different people and, and at different times as well like it's nice to it's nice to be able to dance between ideas and try yeah. new things and yeah. I think an appreciation for that is uh, is probably why you've got such a massive massive crowd listening to your work yeah well you know it's great the people listening in we appreciate every single one of them um, but it's um, the cool thing is too as a coach particularly like say you start coaching at 30 or something and um, you got your 30s You've got your 40s. So there's 20 years, just 20 years. Mm-hmm. So if you're 30 right now, I think 20 years ago you were 10. Think of all the things you've done in, the, in that time. Yeah. And you've got that much time and you're only 50. Then you can coach into your 50s. Mm-hmm. Then you can coach into your 60s. And I'm definitely not against people coaching in their 70s and who knows, 80s. Well, Dave Parkin was 153, wasn't he, when he coached? <laughs> well, our old running coach as a kid growing yeah. up, like he was 82 and he was still coaching and coaching well. Um, so that's a great thing. So don't I don't think there's any rush. So when this podcast has 17,000 episodes, we are <laughs> we're going to have a shitload of content and. Um, and it's just a never-ending process, um, and that's what kicked off this podcast was a never-ending thirst for improvement. Um, and something I've obviously got involved in coaching over the last few years now, a couple of years now, and um, and it's just it's a learning curve that never ends. Yeah, uh, I don't care if your names, you know, Elsa Clark's and Clarko knows it. it's like Clark. I again, I haven't had him on the podcast. I'd love to get him on. Um, you're listening, Clarko. Give me a bell. Um, <laughs> um, but. Clarko is constantly thriving for more information. He's doing his courses. You hear about. He goes to America. He studies. Like, and no wonder he's the best coach. Yeah. He just never stops. And he was probably the best coach for the last fifteen years. Um, but yet he's still striving really hard uh, to get. There. He never stops. Was as my old grandpa said. He says, "As soon as you stop, you're going backwards. Yeah, you're literally going backwards. Yeah. Um, so you never want to stop um, getting better. As soon as you do that." You're just going backwards because people are getting better around you and, and the world's changing. That's um, so true. So I don't care if you're coaching you know, under-13s or um, or elite football. Um, you've just got to constantly get better. And just like I mentioned five minutes ago, that's that's where the fun is. That's where the happiness is, is getting better. So true. Bob Dylan says, he's not busy being born, he's busy dying. And I feel like that's just a, it's a classic line that, yeah. that whenever I'm stressed because I'm trying to understand a new concept, a new idea... Come on, like this is life right here. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. this little challenge is actually what I get out of bed for. And you're right, like the idea of uh, the idea of going on a holiday and sitting back and doing nothing for three days is exciting for three days. 
And then after that, I'm like, all right, come on, I'm ready for a new challenge. I'm ready for something yeah, fresh. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think like you've been a testimony to your own message, just like your rapid rise through the ranks of the coaching world sort of blown my mind, even as one of your, yeah, one of your good mates. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. There's obviously a lot of truth in that. And it's it's interesting as well, because you look at the likes of Clarko or anyone who's just the best at what they do in their team, yeah. and they've all got this passion and this thirst and almost like an obsession for improvement. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, it's it's perhaps no surprise that that so many of the uh, the great coaches have that kind of. Well, it was interesting. I was reading um, um book on Amazon and Jeff Bezos just the other day. And this is getting a bit off course, but um, but the ethos at Amazon is based around they call it day one. It's a day one company, and by that I mean they're just starting. Always have that starting mentality. We're only starting out. We've never sort of made it as such. This is coming from Amazon, which is the biggest company in the world, pretty much now. Haven't heard of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but having that mentality, and that's what they're constantly the whole company is striving to have that new, fresh, looking at everything, trying to improve, where to go, what's next, and they've been doing that for twenty five years now, and the 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 sky for them is just continually continually never ending. Mm. Um, and it's no wonder, like with that sort of key foundational mindset within the within the organisation, led by um, Jeffrey Bezos, Bezos, um, like it's exceptional. So that, you know, and that definitely applies to sport um, for sure. Um, to constantly, yeah, to strive for that, which is which is what it's all about. Not easy to do by any stretch. Um, you got to challenge yourself daily, weekly. Uh, monthly, year on year, mm-hmm. um, and people don't get it right. It's not perfect, but I think overall, if you have that, like, and know that, it makes a massive difference. So, yeah, that's a good point. It's cool. Geez, we've talked some some interesting topics. No, so I hope everyone some, enjoyed that conversation rabbit, as much as I did. Some rabbit holes. That was good. Very uh, enjoyable rabbit holes. Yeah, no, it is. Well, it, well, it, you, you and me are cut from the same cloth. We um are both obsessed with uh, high performance, I yeah. guess. People who achieve it, how they did it. Um, and that's probably been our life's work, hasn't it, really, overall? Like, yeah. I guess before I got involved with this, you know, through leadership coaching and my previous podcast, the JockX podcast, I think you can still find that. It's still got... You can. Got I looked 50, at it just the other day, yeah. Yeah, a good 60-odd episodes online with a whole range of business and sporting people. Um, but... Yeah, I think that's our been our last work, and we're you know we're in our thirties, but I, I expect us to be still doing this stuff in thirty years. So, um, yeah, love it. Um, hopefully, you can share a bit of that passion with people listening, and uh, hopefully, you got something out of this, um, and and really really enjoyed it, man. And hey, great to have you back. I think have I had anyone else twice on the show? I don't think I have. I'm just trying to think. I don't think anyone's come on twice. Mate, you're the first one. How's Dang, that? Beautiful. Dang. I'm glad to be setting the trend. Yeah, it's Meet good. Meet Take hey. that. Mick, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to sincerely apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the master of the footy coach. Um, so, yeah, no, no, that's great. So, we'll, um, hey, we'll do this again. Awesome. Uh, hopefully, everyone loves it. Um, reach out to Tyce. How do you get in contact with you, Tyce? Uh, just probably relaxrunning.com is the easiest way. Perfect. Yeah. Jump on there. Check out Tyson's stuff. Got a whole heap of AFL running content. Really help you running, um, developing that fitness. Um, it's what he specializes in. Um, so, check that out. Um, I'll put some links and stuff on the website for you. And, um, and we'll talk again soon, bro. Sweet. Thanks for having me. Done. Cheers. Thank you.